from Rixie. This is Frameform. Happy Wednesday, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Frameform. Today's show is a new edition of our Dance Film Network series, featuring the members of the Motion Dance Collective, Amari Motion Carter, Anna Clifford, and James Williams. The MDC is an award-winning screen dance production company that not only creates screen work, but also presents education initiatives, including its podcast, The MDC Talks, which we highly recommend. Today's conversation with Claire and the MDC touches on many topics, including transitioning from a collective to a company, the niche-on-niche world of screen dance podcasts, and the one question hanging over the head of anyone at the intersection of dance and film. Enjoy! I'm so thrilled to be joined by the um, the multidimensional motion dance collective based in the UK. Um, I'm so stoked to hear about uh, everything that you've been doing and what you've been doing um, in this very, very niche screen dance podcast sphere. But before we get into that... Um, who are you and how did you get involved with the MDC? Let's <laughs> go, Omari. All right. Hey, hello. My name is Omari Motion Carter. And yeah, I'm the founder and creative director of the Motion Dance Collective. And actually, um, I started working with the name of the Motion Dance Collective in about 2011. That's when kind of things started um, kicking off with the, the name and the and the work and the, but we didn't actually become a business until around 2016 yeah so in 2016 we took the leap to become a a, a company and that that changed the game for us as, as well in the way we kind of considered the work we were making um but yeah the motion dance collectives specialize in the creativity um pre- uh, presentation and education of dance film practice and um i myself am um, an MA graduate of, of screen dance as well and lecture in the form um, and come from a hip hop dance background originally. So that's kind of my background and, and the work that we, we make is really about bridging the gap, not just in the production, but in all elements from pre-production through to um, um, distribution and, and how the worlds of dance and film kind of come together. Um, so I think that's something that's very important to us. And the rest of the team really reflect that. And on, with, on that note, I'll, I'll <laughs> pass on to, to my left here, to Anna. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Anna. I um, So I guess I met Omari in, in 2013, and he had been making dance films for a few years at that point. And I moved to London. I um, am a dancer. So I met him um, through work, but he introduced me to the work he was doing and I was immediately sort of amazed at this, this world of screen dance that I'd never really experienced before. So we started collaborating uh, sort of from that point on and over the years have just, I've just become more involved with the company. Uh, So now I'm doing sort of a bit of everything, (laughs) but I'm also starting to dive into creating some of my own work directing and uh, producing some of my own work, which has been really exciting just in the last few years with the support of the team, which has been incredible. But yeah, I am a dancer by trade um, and definitely just 
loved unpacking and diving into what I want my sort of own artistic practice to be uh, and how dance film sort of locks in and links into that. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's about me. Yeah, that's pretty much me. Uh, I think we met James shortly after that. Yeah, so uh, uh, hi, I'm, I'm James Williams. Uh, I Yeah, I probably came on board. It might have been in 2016, actually, yeah, um, right. when, when MDC kind of went fully fledged um and we joined up by a kind of accident um yeah. i i was running a load of camera tests uh, and i was posting my findings on instagram and i think omari uh dm'd me and was DMs. like we're we're doing something really similar um we were both messing with um movement and paint and film and it was like this weird abstract experimentation that we both found ourselves in and uh, he contacted me just to collaborate on a project and I pretty much just never left I think that's <laughs> basically how it leave. happened <laughs> I just turned up to shoot one day and then never stopped shooting for them so yeah that's basically how how we came together but um similar similar to uh to both of them. Um, I'm an ex-dancer and uh, now full-time in film working as a cinematographer. Right on, right on. Well, when your creative collaboration can survive a paint shoot, you know you're in oh. it for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Start with a bang, right? That was our first film together. Oh, a, it's, a splat it's, even. It was called I See You and it was a messy one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes a few days for that stuff to get out. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, fantastic. So all of you do come from a dance background. So what was your first encounter with screen dance? And when did you know that you wanted to get involved with this form? I know, Anna, you already alluded a, a little, little bit, bit to it. But. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it was definitely when I met Omari, because before that, I didn't really know what screen dance or dance film was. I, I come from Bermuda originally. Um, and I did my uh, degree in Glasgow, Scotland, and then I lived in New York for a year, and then I moved to London. So I've been around, but I I just had been very much on the dance circuit, uh, focusing on auditioning and performing and uh, performing live. Mm. So I hadn't really discovered screen dance before. Um, obviously, I'd seen music videos and various archival footage and you know, what, what you sort of experience, I guess, day-to-day uh, -day mm. as a dance artist, but I'd never really experienced dance film in its fullness until I met Omari. And then it sort of blew my mind, to be honest. I was like, wow, what is this? Like, it, it really sparked my interest. And I mean, you probably can hear it a little bit from some of our very first podcasts, us talking about our initial discovery of what this art form is and what it means to us. Uh, but that was my first, uh, I guess, insight into the practice. And then from there, I've just, you know, never left. Obviously, like James said, you kind of get hooked. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what about you? You know, I was having a conversation recently because I realized that my <clears throat> first experience was quite early. And I had worked with an artist called Rosemary Lee here in the UK um, when I was nine years old on a piece called Passage. And within the oh, wow. piece... We went to Norfolk, and I was so young at the time, but we went to Norfolk and we filmed loads of things that were projected during the show. 
But I didn't think at the time that it was a dance film yeah. thing. <laughs> it was a live show, but this was just an extra part that we had to do for the live show. But when we think of all that, Rosemary Lee has made some amazing video works and integrated mm-hmm. that into her live work. Um, so that was like one of the first times I had been within it. But when I really started to get into it was when I did a dance-specific music video. So I worked as a hip-hop dancer, background dancer for quite a few years, choreographing as well. But it was the first time where the artist wasn't actually involved. The artists were called Stanton Warriors, and they were a producing group, kind of like Daft Punk, right? So they didn't have to be in the video necessarily because they weren't singing the, the song in that sort of way. So they let me do everything I wanted to do. We had conversations. They said, show us what you can do in your tricks and we'll find interesting ways to work with our gear. We got to work with different types of gear. Like they strapped a camera to me and said, what can you do with this? And I've never been (laughs) asked those sorts of questions and that sort of time been given where we shared the language together. Mm. Um, And I don't even think the artists were thinking they were making screen dance either. They were just like a really indie, trendy, independent filmmaking troupe called Messers. Shout out Messers at the time. But yeah, so, um, (laughs) but then from then, I found the screen dance festivals and the industry of making that work. um, And that totally blew my mind. But from making that, I was like, that's what I want to do forever. And I'm just going to just make the choice to do it. And and the industry found me, I think, in that way. Um, And so I was like, wow, you know, getting to grow with an art form that itself is growing. I, yeah, I left live and was like, right, I'm just doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, my my first entry, I guess I um, I started before I was a dancer. I was um, a professional free runner, uh, and and that I don't know if you know much about that community, but that whole community communicates through video. So it's an international community. Everyone's spread around the world in different cities, all training in tiny little groups of four or five people. And the community shares ideas and techniques and skills um, through video. Uh, so, you know, YouTube is full of free runners now. Um, and, and it's bred, that community's bred so many amazing filmmakers because of that. Um, so when I went into my dance training, uh, I was already filming movement because I'd been filming free running for, you know, a few years prior. Um, so I guess it was just a natural progression to me. I, again, like Omari, I didn't really think, oh, I'm going to make screen dance, dance film. It wasn't a conscious thought process of this is what I'm going to make. It was just, I just want to keep filming movement. And now I'm not with free runners anymore. I'm in an institution with loads of other moving bodies I'll just use those instead um so it just evolved into dance film by default not through any kind of conscious uh methodology that I had really put any thought into um and then yeah so I guess it it was just working with my peers and shooting show reels for you know friends who were going for auditions and then People started paying me for that, and then it became shooting shows, archival, you know, choreographers wanted archivals of their performances and things like that. Um, And then, you know, just evolving from there into trailers and short films and slightly not shorter films. And (laughs) 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 Um, 
<laughs> until you know someone finally put a name on it, you know, of what yeah. what we were doing. So that was that's kind of how I found it. Yeah, I like that as a term for like slightly longer than average Green Dance films, like <laughs> yeah. not quite not quite a not quite a shorter film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, it seems like that's. Uh, this sort of hybrid practice has really sprung organically in very and manifested in very different ways for all three of you. Um, and now under a company umbrella, there's, uh, I don't want to project and say like there's a bit more of a formalization as far as the way of, of practice, but, um, but I'm curious, like what was the, what were the early years of the MDC collective? Like I remember seeing um, end of the block at several screenings pre 2016 and I I remember being struck by I mean how, how this the simplicity of the animations but how the simplicity really really like functioned within the film and how it really um, amplified the film but like what were some of the challenges of the early years like just trying to find your feet um, to reference a newer film of yours yeah no pun intended right. <laughs> um, yeah it was <laughs> it was it was it was awesome, man. It was it was something that I knew I wanted it to have a name so that it didn't feel like it was just me at first. <laughs> I didn't want to be like the Amari Amari Carter films in that sort of I, I want I wanted to make a title of something that I wanted to achieve in the in the future. So I said like let me say the motion dance collective because that's what I want to build. And so it was kind of like come and work with this and under this sort of ethos. I think it was an ethos I wanted people to join in with, you know. So in the beginning with End of the Block, it was uh, it was those guys who, uh, Messers Group, who I'd made that first music video with. Um, they said, well, if you have any other ideas, just let us know. And that's a dangerous thing to say to a budding <laughs> choreographer. I was like, okay, cool. I'll write the treatments. So I just wrote, tre- I just started writing treatments. And that was something that, they taught me um, how to do. So through that collaboration, I realized that they work predominantly on commercial clients and commercial clients deals with treatments. And as a dancer, you don't deal with treatments. You don't necessarily have to make those as a package. So learning what those were and how to kind of get that solidified allowed me to go, okay, from now on, I'm going to write a treatment. And if I don't write one, it means I'm probably not going to do the work. I started to realize that it started to come to life, you know, because how can you be on the same page unless you have some pages? I always say that to my students. So the treatment was that thing for me. Um, so le- I learned a lot of things like that through that collaboration. Um, Carson Waterman were the animation team who were awesome. And we had never worked, they hadn't really worked that much in <coughs> dance, but we had collaborated on a couple of things. And um, so it was definitely a lovely process to kind of bring that hybridity in, in its nth degree, you know, to kind of go, right, how many different kind of art forms can we bring together to tell a story that wouldn't necessarily work as well told with real bodies? I think it would have been too much because there's there's lots of violence and other things that happen that actually gets dumbed down and you're able to get more of a message across with animation. Even thinking, I was saying Tom and Jerry was one of the most violent things Everyone's you could ever... Yeah. What? What? <laughs> and that's why Itchy and Scratchy is a farce of that, you know, in The Simpsons. But really, yep. they were telling Tom and Jerry was just on that edge of it, you know. Um, but yeah, we were able to tell a, a deep story through the animation. Um, and what we did is we actually had people there on the day doing the actual animation, um, doing the movement the of movie, the animation. Yeah. 
then we move them away to do blank plates and the animators uh, uh, coded in. <laughs> I have no drew idea. on top, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, they drew, like... <laughs> like, yeah, they electronically drew on top of everything and added shadows and, and really cleaned it up. So that was when we finally started to get funding um, and we got about a grand there at the beginning. Um, but just to add to that, and please edit this down if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> it started off that we had a core group of about seven. There were seven. That of was us. after uh, we met, though. That was right. quite a few years into your process, I think, because we, when we became a seven, a group of seven, a collective of seven, that like was like 2014, group. 2015. Right. And that was um, five of our friends and collaborators who we sort of just went to them after we got, we, after we met and started working together, we sort of said, this, this is something, we have something here, like mm. let's explore this a little bit further. So we invited five of our collaborators to sort of join us in our <laughs> Yeah, and kind of endeavors. Just, to, just to meet monthly and have yeah. a discussion about what we all thought this was. And yeah. that was really nice. This was before James's time, but it was um, a really nice to have kind of that focus group that we considered the collective, that we could sit and chat not and not record. It was a great brainstorming period, wasn't it? Yeah, it show really, work mm-hmm. to each other, what we were doing and other things like that. So that kind of helped as well develop the way that the Motion Dance Collective works today. So mm-hmm. um, even though, though that group disbanded, Mm-hmm. We're still in heavily, you know, in heavy connection with all of them. We still yeah, we still work with them possible. quite often, don't we? Yeah, but yeah, that really was a big, a big starting point as well of kind of going to where we are now, where we feel like actually we've solidified a form of practice. Because um, um, when James came in, it changed, it changed the game. Yeah, James changed the game <laughs> of of what we were we were making and thinking about, and and the way technology was imbued into the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that that's where it was like okay you know now we know the rules this is let's break them mm-hmm. in the right way so correct me if i'm wrong um the actual business umbrella of the mdc sort of came into being around 2016 or so um what were the challenges of transitioning this sort of collective like this collective working under this particular ethos into something that was more of a formalized business as now you know presenting itself as you know, a organization that's doing, you know, that's presenting these ideas, but it's also performing services and performing client work as well. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all speak to it. Like now, looking at where we're at now, it's kind of, it's been a rise to kind of get to a place where we uh, allow people to realize the value of dance on film and the work that everyone who, and all the different parts of the cogs and the screws who are involved in the piece. So it's really been the kind of transition of teaching a lot of dancers and dance organisations <laughs> how to work with film. And James said it the other day, like, I've, I'm a better filmmaker because I became a better filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm better at making film because we, we, we're, le- we're learning the practice of film, really. Mitchell Rose also says as well, we make films. And there is, right. and, and I think there's like one thing that's the output, but then the practice I believe is is, is that we have a practice that is the best of both worlds. We're bridging mm-hmm. the gap between dance practice and film practice. But really, if you're making single screen works, you're making films. So some of that knowledge and that kind of process and that line needs to come into the fold. 
So the challenges was kind of learning how to, what film business was. Yeah. And before I was just a choreographer and I'd get my one contract and I'd sign it and I'd send it back. But I never knew <laughs> what it was like to be the producer of all of that and have to give everyone their, all their different contracts, you know. Um, so all of that, uh, for me, it was the paperwork and all those other things that as a dancer, I didn't necessarily come across that often. I just had the one I needed to deal with. But when it becomes to actually being a production company. Well, yeah, when we, that was a huge part of our partnership as well. When I joined the company and officially became right. the business manager of the company was because I had that uh, knowledge <clears throat> and background because I did a degree in international business and management after after my uh, dance degree. So I sort of had the <clears throat> the skill set, if you will, to help and aid in the process and setting up our systems, I guess, in how we wanted to function as a business. Um, that's ever evolving still. I feel like you'll see from our work, it's so versatile and the stuff that we offer as a company is still quite uh, quite a range of services, I would say. Mm. What I think tends to happen now, especially uh, especially now in the wake of COVID, we say no a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, because as right. a company, we really thrive and enjoy creating more uh, creative, artistic work. We haven't really done any uh, music videos or archival work or showreel stuff or like more, I guess, uh, strictly video production that didn't have a layer of artistic intention because that's actually not where our interests lie it's kind of like team. the whole videography versus cinematography yeah. conversation and, and i mean we do right. i guess officially offer that as a service like under our umbrella as a production company but we often turn those sorts of jobs down and try to oh, choose wow. the jobs that we find more uh rewarding i guess so mm -hmm. we're still figuring that out i think uh because as you say that and I, i'm sure james can speak to this too but as we've made the shift from uh, into a company, it's sort of like, okay, what do we really want to say? And as a business, how do we function? How do we, you know, get enough money in to actually create the work that we want to make? So of course, there's an element of you have to do certain jobs in order to fund your own creative ideas. And which, everyone says screen dust doesn't make money, and then I'm like, oh no, which is you know, we're a for-profit company. Yeah, <laughs> it's finding right. that balance, and I think yeah. we're still figuring that out because as any uh, emerging company, as any you know, small business you have to make compromises and sacrifices in order to eventually get where you want to go. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But we've been very blessed up until this point, I think, to be able to say no to certain things and to be able to have the blessing of choosing the jobs that we actually wanted to do. And that fit right. with Yeah, the jobs that we feel yes, represent exactly. us and the, the right. members involved in MDC. Absolutely. To the best. Kudos to you, because I mean, I I speak for myself, and I speak for a lot of other people involved in the intersection of dance and film. In that, you know, documentation is a huge part, and like sort of archival work is a huge part of, um, I mean, what pays the bills, really. <laughs> and so, I mean, it's amazing that you've you have still maintained this uh, this ethos through 
your creative work. Uh, I'm curious how that's, how was that over the last year? It seems like a lot of, well, I mean, it seems like a lot of people discovered screen dance, but it seems that a lot of people were essentially translating work that would have originally been performed live into a filmic or screen setting. And where would you draw the line as far as, uh, okay, this is being done with filmic intentions versus, okay, this is just like a transposition? Like, I think that comes heavily down to, well, what Omari said when he introduced us is that a third of our whole ethos as a company is education. So um, I think that the initial conversations with anybody who you know comes to the MDC door is always going to be talking about how we work as a company and educating them on how we would want to approach the project that they're proposing. Um, and I guess that's where Anna is saying, you know, maybe there are some no's there. Maybe they want to, maybe they don't align with how we feel things should progress um, for whatever reasons. Um, but, but also, you know, the, the people who understand then the process of translating a stage show into a film um, and understand that there is a kind of re-choreographic process that's going to have to happen there. Um, it isn't a direct, you know, beat-for-beat beat translation. It's a, it's a reconfiguration of the show into a new, into a new medium. Um, and they're open to the, the discussion and they're open to learning about how that process runs step-by-step. Step. Um, that educational process uh, becomes really valuable in, in us choosing who to work with, uh, you know, what works we then go on to produce and how those works get produced. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think that educational element of talking oh, yeah, to absolutely. talking to the people who come to the door and and walking them through the process step by step and seeing how they respond to a new process that maybe they haven't dipped their toe into at all yet. You know, a lot of people who come to the door have never touched film um, or or that that process of creation. Um, so just seeing how they respond to that conversation. Um, that's that's a, a big part for us, I think. And I think that that's really core to like what you'd want in um, in a collaboration. And that you do, there is this sort of shared. I, it's not like one person's a means to an end. It's like really this sharing of you know ideas and sharing of skill sets. Yeah, and 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 you know that is that is screen dance, right? I mean, we're like Omari said, we're at the end of the day, the 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 output deliverable is a film. But the input deliverable is dance. So we have to find a way of meeting in the middle. Um, we have to educate people in both because we are working with both. So it, it has to be a conversation. And I think a lot, of, um, a lot of the discussion comes down to can they work as a team? Because films are built in teams. Uh, certainly my experience of film has been teams. The, the, if I look back to when I was just making film by myself, those films were terrible because my voice alone can't make a good film. It's all about collaboration. So, so for me personally, it's, it's about bringing the choreographers into the fold, making them part of the team, and then making a great film as a unit. A hundred percent. And I think that's also something that, I guess, sets us apart a little bit from your traditional production company, because we very much believe, like, collaboration is a huge part of what we do. It's, it's very much the core of, every, you know, 
everything that we do. So, and sometimes that means breaking down some of the existing structures that yeah. may exist within, within either form and being open to that, you know, knowing that we may give more autonomy to certain things like a warm up. <laughs> which may not even mm-hmm. be considered important in other air, yeah. in other circles and even though sometimes we've tried and failed that because we have to actually get the shot and <laughs> get the light in the room yeah. and we've been like okay look we'll skip the warmth for now but everyone just be, be care- mindful <laughs> and do their thing but yeah it's it's one of those things that we think about all the time how can we how can we how can we do that but in, in the in terms of um the world of covid now and what's happened with this pandemic is a lot of people are just finding out what that is for the first time. And I think all the second pieces are going to be the one. You know that That's one? It's it. like, yes. okay, now you know. Yes. Yeah. Look. <laughs> Look at yeah. what's possible and what we can do. And the whole timing and framing and all of those things, how it works. You know, it's like, yeah, now we know how to go, how to move forward in that way. Um, yeah, I think the silver lining. Because it's easy. It's easy to make a dance form. Really easy. Because mm-hmm. everyone's right. got phones that are 8k now the samsung <laughs> s21 what for oh my yeah. god yeah so i'm just wondering like how like what's the file size of like a minute of film on that the, the phone's gonna Too blow big. up the phone is gonna get <laughs> hot and it has to blow up let's not the first four let's not talk about this let's, let's not okay okay i'm sorry no, i'll say i can start james it's, off. Um, it's just <laughs> Yeah, coming but, back to the question because it's easy. No, because because it's it's easy to 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 actually to make in some ways. It's hard to actually kind of give value to it because so many people give their work away for free, and that's oh, yeah. the difference. That's yeah. been the change of us. Like we're trying to work out how how do we make money off of the work, and what is the best way to look at that in in certain ways. So it, it's a big shift, but it's also very difficult because you know people give their workshop information away for free. Some people hold it, you know. Everyone's mm-hmm. kind of very different in in the work, but what we do now is that we, at least we look at it now before we start. Is there value in this? And if we're going to go for right. that, this is really we now are looking at the pathways of being able to do that. So that's been the kind of shift now of going well. Before we were making just to have a portfolio, but mm-hmm. now we're looking at the longevity of the portfolio in each individual piece because the the film isn't the be all and end all because it's going to exist after you die. Right, yeah. And, and a lot of people put more money into something that is going to... Lo- this is a quote by who? <laughs> oh, he was on the talk the other day, but he said, uh, 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 more people put more money into something that is only going to run for two weeks than into something that's going to exist after you're dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, That's so true. You know, what value do you have? In, and it's just because of this very digital age i think if we were still analog the value because film's expensive now mm-hmm. oh, real God, film yeah. I, I i and that's i'm having an urge to return back to that because then what would we do with our images when we've got the um oh my goodness I, the polaroid <laughs> <laughs> when we've got the polaroid camera we make choices yeah and we go look we only got seven of these bad boys so what seven photos do we take? And I think if we return back to that, then we'd be we'd be valuing the digital form a little bit more. And so I try and think of things more in that way. And I say to the clients, look, if you only had one roll reel of tape, <laughs> how do we plan? You'd be planning this for real and not giving it a two day rehearsal period and a one day shoot. I'm venting now. Um, next, next question. Next question. Well, I'm no, sorry. I was just gonna, if I can just add that 
<laughs> one of our biggest learnings as a team uh, from COVID, mm. I think, has been the value that we place uh, on our process. And mm-hmm. and the beauty, I guess, the silver lining of COVID and in the last 18 months or so, the few collaborations that we have uh, been able to have in that time, uh, some of them remote, some of them live in between lockdowns, you know, mm. the few jobs that we have had have been really incredible for us because it's really given us an opportunity to choose and refine exactly what we want that collaboration to truly be and exist right. as. Right. So, right. you know, even though the the last 18 months have been incredibly challenging in so many different ways for, for artists, for, for us as a team, as the Motion Dance Collective, the experience, the, you know, the few experiences we have had have been so valuable mm-hmm. and have taught us a lot about what we want to do moving forward in terms of mm-hmm. our work and our choices. And I think we've helped others work that out for themselves. Yeah. As well. And I think like we were like you were alluding to with the uh, I guess the imprint that this might leave on the wider dance community, the wider artistic community of people discovering creating dance film for the first time. Mm-hmm. A lot of those collaborations, a lot of those jobs were first time films for these companies or for these artists and the excitement that it created for them, you know, is super important to us. And we hope (laughs) that as things slowly return to this new normal of, you know, going back to live performance, going back to the theater, that the the skills and the experiences that they've had with us uh, will hopefully, you know, sort of live on with them moving forward. And and they will want to make more work because... You know, as James said, education is so important to us. And so within those collaborations, it, we, we took the time to really teach them about our practice and what uh, the screen dance practice for us is. Mm. And to see it sort of actually bear fruit uh, right. from beginning to end was hugely validating. Mm. And I hope that in the years to come, those artists and those companies choose to make dance film, not because they have to, but because they want to, because they see the value in it and they see Mm. how uniquely special it is and what it can offer in terms of longevity, in terms of... To make screen dance a valid option for deliverable alongside the proscenium, alongside installation, you know, all of these other outputs alongside, you know, festival work, to make screen dance one of those options. So your screen dance practice is very um, multifaceted and, as I mentioned at the beginning, like very multidimensional. And something that's really become a key part of that with the MDC is the MDC Talks, the the podcast that's, um, that the MDC produces. Um, I'm curious, how did you decide to start doing a podcast and start um, putting that out there? Ooh. Yeah, so I think uh, it started, and you guys jump in. Um, we, as a team, as as the as the trio, James, Omari, and myself, had made a few films together, had made a few projects, and we started just having really interesting conversations about screen dance in general, our choices, our hopes, our ambitions for our own work, and dissecting what that looked like and what that meant. And we were having a company meeting one day and we just sort of had the idea that we should start recording some of these conversations because, um, you know, 
podcasts are obviously incredible for making so much uh, information access easily accessible to a lot of people. And because education is so important to us, we sort of thought, hey, why not? Like, maybe maybe this will be interesting to other people than just us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just decided to start it uh, initially for ourselves. Um, you know, it began very much as an opportunity for us to dissect our own understanding of screen dance and our own definition of what our work is. And then obviously, mm -hmm. um, as you'll see, it sort of slowly evolved into having guests on the sh uh, on the podcast and talking to different artists and different directors and different uh, cinematographers and choreographers and and just asking lots of questions, challenging definitions, um, just exploring our own films, but also collab collaborations with other artists mm -hmm. and other clients and um, getting to ask some tough questions to artists that we really admire as well. That's been a huge... Uh, a huge learning curve for us because we didn't want it to just be one of those really soft and rosy podcasts where <laughs> you just get to talk about yourself for however long and about all of your incredible work. We, we wanted to be able to sort of get a little bit deeper, a little yeah. bit further under the surface and ask some and, tricky yeah. questions. And, a lot, and a lot of that comes from like the short amount of time you get at film festivals yeah. and, yes. and on like talks and panels. And usually they have seven people on the panel and then you get 10 minutes or maybe five minutes each or you only get enough time to answer one question fully. And it was like, I really love what these people have to say and they deserve more time. Yeah. We just, and we, right. we want to speak to them more because even at the festivals, when you watch people's films, there's, you don't really get that much of a critical feedback apart from the audience's reaction, like direct reaction to the work. There's all, mm -hmm. it's really kind of like, oh no, it was really nice. Which one was it? Oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, I loved yeah. the bit. When the thing, <laughs> and, and the one with the fish in the water, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And maybe there's something you pointed out that you really liked, or there's a certain thing you speak to the artist, and so, that's always lovely. Like, um, yeah, people don't stop doing that to me. Come up to me and talk to me about it. <laughs> but but right. also, also, yeah, those, those to kind of sit one artist down and just have lengthy, usually they're much longer than we cut edit yeah. to but um yeah. yeah even with an hour talking to people most of the time we we end up cutting it off don't we because yeah. the, the conversation is endless <laughs> it really is definitely yeah but that but i think that's how it started right it <clears throat> yeah was just and i was doing my that's just started the masters so the first few ones we that's did right. at london contemporary dance school I recognize those studios. So, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, so we were, uh, you know, to kind of be in that space as well, I was like, well, great. We can have these little diaries that we can look back on. And I'm very sure if we were to watch the first podcast oh, again, gosh. Yeah. we would disagree maybe with a lot of the things that we said, but it's so good to look back yeah. and go, that's where we were at then. Mm -hmm. And I would love right. to do the what is screen dance one. Maybe, that, maybe that's the, yeah, you know, <laughs> what is that now? you know with what we've seen and all the people we've talked to because a lot, a lot of people don't even use that word yeah a lot of people hate the phrase yeah right <laughs> <laughs> we've interviewed a number of we always ask or at least on season two we always ask what is screen dance to you and um <laughs> Mitchell what does Roses it mean? is the best Mitchell Roses and is screen dance is the wrong thing to call what we yeah. do <laughs> I listened to that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's very Mitchell. <laughs> it's like, yes. But it's great yeah. because it's, yes. you want to hear 
disagreements. You want to hear a different point of view, a different perspective. It keeps us learning. It keeps us intrigued. And uh, talking to all these um, different artists has been really eye-opening for us in terms of reflecting on our own practice too. Because, uh, you know, we have conversations as a team after the podcast recording where we're like, wow, loved what this person said about this. You know, it's, is again ideas it just sparks ideas it sparks uh lots of exciting things we don't even necessarily agree with each other most of the time about quite a lot of the (laughs) stuff so you know yeah yeah Yeah. and i think i think it just shows how uh many facets screen dance itself has i mean i can speak from experience doing this podcast with the co-hosts who i have who again we come from very different perspectives but that's all really a part of what makes screen dance the field and the practice what it is and I mean it's fascinating listening and also watching some of your episodes um and seeing how the podcast form can almost be a sort of like a like a space for not only critique but also reflection like there's that one episode where you're um breaking down uh I think it's Kimura the um, Kimura, yeah yeah the film um and also, I just want to say it's bold move with the um, doing the first season with video as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was elaborate? a bold move. Actually, we uh, we got rid of that pretty sharpish. <laughs> <laughs> and we still but do added- a graphic for the for the yeah. YouTube one, yeah. which is which is a bit of extra effort. But yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have that visual something side of different, a little bit. But yeah, yeah. And I also, I think it was an opportunity for us to sort of be like this is the MDC. We, we wanted people to see us, to be connected to us. We, uh, you know, I think it was an opportunity for us to really introduce the team to the internet. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we obviously stopped recording video <laughs> after season one, just because of the work and the, you know, hiring a space and all the logistics that come with it. But it, it was, um, it was a good experience. Yeah. And I'm, and just watching some of those episodes and seeing like, oh, you know, seeing James mention, oh, he used to dance. And then we see a little clip of him dancing and um, other clips from the show. Like, it really does add a whole, um, literally another dimension to the experience. Um, Isn't free you want to bring it some something like that back, though? Yeah, we, we loved the, having being able to incorporate those elements into it. And yeah. I think that's why initially we did choose to use video. Uh, because we had these ideas of, oh, we can show yeah. a little clip or we can drop. pop up this. and Yeah, season in season two. But in season one, when we were using video, yeah. uh, recording ourselves, we were like, we can actually show them what we're talking about as we're talking about it. And that was something we kind of wanted to play with initially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think we're quite keen to go back to doing breakdowns as well because we haven't done any of them for quite a while now. And we've got quite a lot of new work out since COVID. Yes. Um, so it'd be really fun to go back and start doing some new breakdowns as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's like only way we're going to have a debrief. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like a proper one is that if we actually just spend an hour on it and record I don't know how you guys have um, decided to structure your podcast. For us, the, the, obviously the options are endless, so it's been kind of difficult to sort of go, okay, what do we want this season to be about? What are the themes? You know, how are we going to mm. structure this? For us, season one was definitely just sort of... Uh, the Motion Dance Collective team, our own work, our own practice, and what that looked like. We had a few guests of collaborators on to dissect some of our own uh, films. 
And then season mm-hmm. two has been more it, of an opportunity one. to speak to artists that we admire and uh, get to ask them some some really provoking questions. Uh, we I don't think we have we haven't officially decided what season three is going to look like yet, but we have lots of ideas for what we want it to be. I guess it's just choosing which one of those ideas is the loudest because <laughs> right, <laughs> that needs right. to happen next. The round tables. Yeah, we yeah we, we love <laughs> we've talked about round tables quite a few times now. We really love the idea of having this round table situation where you can get a couple uh, artists that overlap in one way or another. Uh, you know, in the same room and mm-hmm. have a really uh, deep conversation either about a specific work or a specific idea. Obviously, right. Zoom, as you've mentioned, uh, changes the game in terms of being able to reach certain people. And I mm. think for us, season two was the first time we started interviewing people who were not in London because mm-hmm. season one just was consisted of us and our collaborators who were based here and obviously it was video recorded so we needed them in the flesh but when we started doing a podcast recording during lockdown we were sort of like why not talk to Mitchell Rose why not ask Marlene Miller like we actually could speak to you know all of these other directors and other filmmakers who we hadn't really thought about connecting with before that point but then obviously mm-hmm. during lockdown when everyone was just at home on their computer anyway, they had the time. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that we yeah. didn't think about connecting with them, but we were always connecting with them. Yes, well, that's it. But we didn't think of having them on the podcast as an like, option. Because, because they can't be there. Yeah. But then, of course, right. when it was, you know, last year, we were like, okay, well, let's just yeah. ask them and see what happens. So and that's, then, the silver, that's the silver lining of the, yeah. of the pandemic, I guess. Definitely one of the silver yeah. linings. We got to talk to some of our favorite uh, favorite directors, favorite makers, favorite artists. Yeah. Favorite artists. So that's, that's yeah. definitely been a silver lining. Oh, very nice. Very nice. And uh, yeah, James, I don't know if you want to add anything because I know you have a podcast yourself, the Cinematography Journal as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've put, it's on pause at the moment. I haven't done anything with it for a little while because I am myself reevaluating that. But uh, yeah, for, for a little while, I actually started it at almost exactly the same time that the MDC Talks started because that was kind of part of the conversation about uh, starting a podcast because I was talking about doing my own. Um, so, uh, but but yeah, I don't, I, I, as far as the MDC one goes, I don't want to plug my own thing on here. But uh, but yeah, they've kind of said everything about the MDC one. I would say, plug it, man! It's a good podcast, plug man. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, people need to go on that one. Need to learn, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. we'll, I mean, we'll link yeah. to it in the show notes anyway. So, <laughs> so we'll do the plugging for you. <laughs> so, yeah, and I mean, I think the podcast form, and I mean, I'm speaking for my co-host Hannah Weber, who really this you know frame form is her brainchild. She's um, a former um, profess- film professor, really you know very professorial in the way that these episodes are structured but her intention was with this was very similar to what you were alluding to like really deepening the conversation beyond the festival and really really kind of prodding those places that you really can't get to in like a 10 minute Q&A following the screening and um, I think that podcasts really uh, are a great way to do that for the screen dance community Um, I'm very curious like what other avenues has um, the MDC considered exploring? We are predominantly a production company. 
So we haven't really had a huge focus in distribution. And now some, that's something that's very interesting to us now. And kind of like when we think about how we're distributing our work and the avenues it can reach, because we've started to make some works that are really um, have some some really strong value within the world we're living in today. And I feel like that that value needs to be treated in in a way of getting the work into the places of which it speaks for, for the people it speaks for, because the screen arts festivals aren't necessarily that place sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the the, totally. the the work and the the work you've actually made and the people who need to see it or the people who it was made by don't. Um, sometimes it out, it falls outside of the screen dance community. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. it's been a real big focus of us now to actually start to look into that and go actually well this this piece deals with knife crime in particular so how do we now get it to the communities who can't afford to to, for screen arts festivals Mm -hmm. who aren't necessarily you know involved with with dance on film at all or know that it exists or maybe have seen it and don't realize that it's a form within itself and it can tell stories that are relevant to them and so it's always been a big passion of ours to kind of think about those types of people the types of bodies we're getting on screen I've forgotten the question, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's, no, it's, I think it's also worth saying, I mean, from, from my point of view, talking about the, the piece that Omari just touched on there, we recently made a piece about knife crime. Um, and anecdotally, to kind of bolster Omari's point there, it, it, we, we were on set, I think we were day two, we were shooting, we were in the thick of it, we were moving fast, and there was a, a bunch of kids that were kind of, uh, you know, shouting things across the street at us and, you know, heckling a little bit as, you know, teenagers do. Um, And, you know, the producers are getting a little bit, you know, stressed about it and then maybe they're ready to go over and kind of move them on. And and the typical kind of way of uh, handling that situation as a production, you know, that was all kind of starting to fall into place. And then Omari gets up, (laughs) runs across the street, stops directing, runs across the street, has a full-blown conversation with them, telling them all about what we're doing and, you know, talking about the screen dance process and giving them business cards and telling them where they can see the film. Um, You know, just dropped everything on set to go and have this conversation with the people who he felt needed to be aware of what the film was that we were making. So I think that's a... For me, that was something really really cool to, to see, because I've never seen that on a set before, you know. I've never seen a director stop making a film <laughs> to go and talk sorry. to passers-by because they were the target audience. You know, that is just the perfect anecdote for, for what Omari's touching on there. That's such a... That's, that's so true. Gosh. I forgot that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... Exactly, yeah, James. It. It's... It. It, I think especially... Um, the films we've made during the time of COVID have made us assess wh- who is this for yeah. and how mm-hmm. do we get it to them? Like, yeah. how do we find a way for it to reach them? Because, you know, there have been some films we've made with film festivals in mind or with, you know, a tour in mind. But especially lately, the films we're making are very community driven and we, we want to really explore how it reaches the right people at the right time. Um, and, and, and access is everything. So it's, yeah, that's definitely something that we look forward to figuring out and, uh, I guess deciding, mm. 
But right. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's such a great story, too. And I mean, a great way of like reevaluating how like the function of a film, what the function of a film set is and like how to really uh, make that film process from beginning to end more, more accessible and more transparent. So that's I, I really look forward to that film. Um, we are coming up to the end of our time here. And I know we've already touched on this question. And I um, have a feeling I, people might know it's coming. And just for laughs, as of um, as of today, what is your definition of screen dance? Oh, no. <laughs> Omari, do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, this is my one. It is the orchestration of the motion in front of the camera, the motion of the camera, and the motion developed in the edit. The motion dance collect. <laughs> Um, nice. That's That's Omar's definition that that I think still lives on our website somewhere. Um, But I think for you do so believe it exactly. I think for me personally, oh gosh, I have learned through Omari and his study of what is screen dance and the conversations we have had um, because of that that screen dance really is an umbrella term for everything I consider to be screen dance. Mm. I think it's not so much for me what is screen dance, but what kind of screen dance I want to make and what kind of screen dance I prefer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because... Um, within the umbrella. Of within the all. umbrella of it. Because I mm. think, you know, we could talk till we're blue in the face about what screen dance is because as we know, there are so many different interpretations of it and there are so many uh, faucets. But I personally connect the most with dance film that is narrative driven. Uh, It doesn't need to be a traditional narrative. It can be abstract. I love abstract art, but um, I connect as I'm sure many humans do with stories that provoke a emotional reaction from me. I don't always need to understand why I've had an emotional reaction, but uh, that to me is the screen dance work that I'm interested in. So I don't know if I'm allowed to change the question like that, but. No, that's it. <laughs> hey, you're allowed to. It's. <laughs> um. Oh, it's difficult because, I mean, yeah, I agree with everything that's just been said. Uh, but I, So I guess the only thing I can add for me is that it's, for me, it's, it's, it comes down to the process. I think the, the, you can't say what is or isn't dance film based on the outcome of the film because the outcome is subjective. So what's good art, what's bad art, mm-hmm. what you like, what someone else likes, all of that's subjective. So I can't base it on watching a finished film. I can only base it on what was the process. If the process was thought through, was collaborative, was um, inclusive of uh, you know the filmmakers, the choreographers, the dancers, all of the people who have to meet in the middle to create screen dance, if it was a process that involved those people, the outcome can only be screen dance. I like that. That's fantastic. That's that's a great, great <clears throat> place to end on. But um, thank you all, Amari, Anna, James. Really appreciate you being on the show today. 
Thanks it's for having us. It's been a pleasure. Us. Thanks for having us. It's been awesome, Claire. Thank you. We got a few announcements this week brought to you by the International Screen Dance Calendar. The Denton Black Film Festival in Texas is opening submissions for screen dance films this year. All eligible films in this category must be choreographed, directed, or produced by Black filmmakers or prominently feature Black dancers or feature subject matter which relates to the Black community or the Black experience. Films will be accepted from now till October 25th. And the final submission deadline for the Zed Festival International Video Danza in Bologna, Italy is today, July 7th. So get on your computers now and submit your dance film before it is too late. All the information here will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much to the MDC and Claire for this great conversation. Want more? Subscribe to the MDC Talks podcast and follow them on social. As per usual, all links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at frameformpodcast at gmail.com and engage with us on social at frameformpod. That's frameform, P-O-D. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review and rate the show. It really helps out. And if you know someone who also likes dance or film, join the conversation and bring your friends. Frameform is a production of Rixie, hosted by Hannah Weber, Jen Ray, and Claire Schweitzer. Edited by the Frameform team. Mix and theme song by myself, Mason Carlton. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.